Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, fools? We are back after a hiatus over the All-Star break. We took some time off. We missed you guys, but we are here to cover the Mavericks as they are on the horizon of returning. They play the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow night on Thursday or today for those of you listening today, whenever you may be listening. But today, nonetheless, we will be getting into the Mavericks defensive ceiling and in regards to their defensive ceiling how is that sort of last line of their rotation going to be shored up what are they going to do as you know maxi kleber comes back as they really start to get this team intact we'll be kind of covering that we'll of course be covering luca and Kyrie over the all-star break just the all-star break in general some sort of brief thoughts and um you know little discussion over that um otherwise we'll maybe sort of uh, tap into the buyout market a little bit, just take a little look of a, you know, put it under a microscope for a second and, you know, pick out some different things from there since we haven't really touched base there in a minute. Um, But otherwise, you know, it's going to be more of a shorter, simplistic podcast where we really kind of just look at the Mavericks rotation and what is the defensive ceiling of this team? Because there are obviously a lot of defensive questions, especially in the, around the, uh, Aurora with the Mavericks right now. So we'll be getting all into that. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren. So getting into it, starting off on a little more of a lighthearted note here. Um, let's get into how Luca and Kyrie fared over the weekend in regards to the all-star game and everything. It was quite, um, you know, it was quite the fanfare. It, it seemed as if we obviously had some some cool moments with them sort of doing the whole shoulder tapping deal on the bench and getting after each other. But then we also have the um, the burden that is the ESPN narrative after LeBron James picked Kyrie Irving um, on his all-star team with the starters. And there was that whole situation. So, so we have these sort of competing narratives right here of Kyrie and Luca being really, you know, gelling together and, you know, them even – saying as much that Kyrie said that they're going to set up a meeting for their families to meet and everything when they get back. You know, this obviously doesn't seem like it's the whole, you know, uh, Baltic blast with Chris Dapps and Luca back in the day where we basically had to forecast that they would have to be best friends. I think these guys can be consummate professionals, uh, but also still be, you know, friendly associates while not being best friends still. I don't think that, you know, two and two necessarily have to go hand in hand, but I think that the narrative that they have a sincere distaste for each other or anything like that is severely overblown. And some of the stuff, especially that ESPN saying about Kyrie being, you know, on that first train over to LA, what were your thoughts of just some of the fanfare and some of the narratives that dissipated out of all-star weekend? Yeah. I mean, it's all-star weekend. Things are going to, it's sort of like a feel good weekend in the NBA. Uh, Everything sort of overlaps and you get every pretty, every podium, pretty much every good narrative that you can out of a five-day span. And that's kind of what we got. Um, you know, the, the national media, they got their narratives of Kyrie going over to the Lakers uh, with LeBron selecting him. And then the Mavericks, they, of course, got uh, whenever they were sitting on the bench, all the sort of gestures that they were doing for each other and, you know, all the 
fun horse playing they were doing um, on the bench. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, what we saw, like, I, I, I don't really think that there's anything pushing uh, like this narrative that Kyrie's on the first boat to Los Angeles or anything like that. And, you know, again, you know, as alluding to what you said, uh, where, you know, Kyrie has to be Luca's best friend or Luca's second guy at his fucking wedding. Um, I didn't mean to cuss there, but his, his second guy at his wedding, um, you know, I, I don't think that narrative has to be true. Uh, in the case, you know, where for Chris Stapps, that's, you know, how we viewed the narrative. Um, you know, these two guys are professionals. They're two of the best point guards in the league. Um, I, I think that's as simple as that. Uh, but I mean, it was a, it was a feel good weekend. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really watch the game just cause it's an all-star game. I don't pay too much attention. Um, it's a good sort of clock, turn the clock off and, you know, get to relax for a few days, uh, sort of thing. And that's kind of what I did from Sunday on to pretty much today. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, from the sort of posts that the Mavericks were posting and everything, it just kind of seemed like it was nothing but good vibes. Yeah, we were definitely churning out some of those podcasts right before the All-Star break, so it felt nice to get a little bit of a break. I wasn't like too heavily invested into the weekend. I kept up with everything, and um, I watched all the highlights of everything and watched All-Star Saturday night, but I did not watch the game live or anything like that just because of some of the um, sort of optics of All-Star Weekend, I think it's just a little – they overdo it to an extent. And I, I don't know. It, for whatever reason, I, I obviously didn't get too intricate into the game, but there was obviously the whole defensive narrative coming out of it with this year. After It's been actually pretty good with that whole final score uh, prerogative that they've instilled those last two years, so I don't know exactly what happened. I didn't keep up uh, too – too readily with the format there, but nonetheless, uh, Kyrie ended up finishing with 32 points and 15 assists, I believe. And I mean, you know, barring Jason Tatum, you know, really taking heed there and uh, furbishing himself as the leader in the clubhouse to win MVP. I mean, Kyrie had a little bit of a, uh, a puncher's chance there to win it for a while. So that was cool, especially since, you know, Luca and his non-effort in the all-star game and um, just making sure Kyrie was okay. Cause he did have that, um, I think that like lower back tightness before that Denver game and he was good to go at the all-star game. So everything's all a-okay there. Everybody came out with no injuries. Luca's chilling in Croatia, probably having one too many recovery beers. Uh, I thought so he was Cabo. That... No, he said he was going to go to Cabo, but he actually went to Croatia. Oh, okay. okay. He did a whole 180 on everybody, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we, we hope that he comes back in good shape. You know, that's obviously been something where he's struggled a bit in the past after the all-star break, but you know, it's it's nice to keep keep him busy and everything like that. I'm glad that they got some bonding moments together. Besides the whole ESPN thing, which, you know, I, I hate to be the sort of bearer of bad news to Mavs fans, but I am not a fan of these ESPN narratives. And obviously, I think they're severely overblown and have little to no credence behind them and have, you know, Mr. Uh, Mafia boss Brian Windhorse as the lead catalyst out here leading every single somebody else is going to join with LeBron, particularly X, Y, and Z of LeBron's former teammates, you know, that being Kyrie being one of them, of course. But at the end of the day, we do have to tune all this stuff out to an extent, because when you bring a guy like Kyrie into Dallas, this is a guy who does have some, you know, that carryover effect in terms of, uh, you know, just sort of the, the posse and the, the ambiance around him that the national media 
has denoted to this guy over the years. He, he's a pretty star-studded guy, and you know, especially with all the moving around and to- uh, tossing through that he's done throughout his career, we have to just expect it. And tune it out to an extent. You know, winning cures all, as I always like to say. So once you know the Mavericks go to a little bit of a streak there, they have the easiest strength of schedule to close out the season out of any team. Hopefully that eliminates some of these narratives, but obviously, you know, things are going to come up. It's about as simplistic as LeBron selecting Kyrie in the all-star draft. It's not like he was like, all right, man, you know, I've selected you in the all-star draft so you can come to LA next year. It was nothing to that degree. I apologize for that very bad accent. I am a little sick right now. If you guys couldn't catch wind of it, this North Texas weather change has been quite egregious to say the least, but we just got to tune some of it out and, you know, having a guy like Kyrie, it, we, it's something that we're going to have to get used to nonetheless, but a few quick tidbits that are kind of cool. This was the first time the Mavericks have had two all-star starters ever. And this is also the first time that the Mavericks have had two all-stars in the same game since 2010, when the game was hosted in Dallas, Dirk Nowitzki, of course, was a starter. Jason Kidd came off the bench as a reserve as he was an injury replacement for, I cannot remember who exactly, but nonetheless, so it, you know, it was a cool moment it all still kind of seems surreal with Kyrie literally having only played a few games. It doesn't even seem like he's, you know, was necessarily representing the Mavericks there, but you know, it for, for namesake and everything, it, it was a pretty cool deal there. Do you have any other thoughts on the weekend? We obviously, you know, for those on the podcast that don't know, we, I think we have to sort of indoctrinate our listeners into Jaron's Texas tech basketball fandom. So just, if you would like to give any special shout outs to Mac McClung before we go to the next segment, Jared, you feel, you feel very inclined to do so. Uh, let's, let's say it was written in stone that he was going to take it over. Um, I, I will say this. I had Jericho Sims winning that dunk contest and that was like the most boring, uh, like two dunks that he ever did. Um, you know, I, I want to push. Okay. It, while it was simplistic and boring, like it, I feel like people very much undershot this impressiveness of it. Oh, it's very impressive. Really high up there. No, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. that. But I'm just saying, you know, stylistically, like yes, there was like no variety to what he did. Exactly, and I think you need style on top of talent. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Mac McClung. I'm pretty sure his 10 day contract is up by now. But uh, he he went out there and he showed out, and um, he put the dunk contest back on the map uh, after two egregious years. So I mean, shout out to him. Uh, I, I don't know where sort of all-star weekend goes from here. Cause this is, it leaves a very bland, uh, I guess like a bland future ahead. Um, at, at least from some of the reports that I've seen, but, uh, yeah, shout out to him. He did his thing. And I mean, let me just say like hit some really impressive dunks, I will say. So it's a new Puma athlete. He's ready to take over the league. Uh, but oh, nonetheless, I'm sure. excited I mean, to see if he, ends up becoming our NBA rotation player at any point. I, I definitely think that he's kind of been a sort of underdog guy his whole career, and he hasn't necessarily got a fair chance. But at the same time, he is a sort of guy that needs a ball in his hands, which doesn't necessarily fare the best for you as a rotation player in the NBA. So we'll have to see how that situation evolves. But luckily we have all of next year and tomorrow to talk about Mac McClung and we might even just become mainstream McClung in the future. Mainstream McClung whenever he becomes Dallas McClung. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, you know, speaking of the whole Luca Kyrie situation, we're not going to delve into the 
ESPN narratives and stuff as we already can sort of write that stuff off as hearsay and, you know, normal talk show stuff, trying to drive the ratings up, things of that nature. But, you know, you did post a, a big question to me before we got on and hopped here in the pre in the pre-pod segment. And, you know, specifically when we were talking about what is Luca and Kyrie's, uh, you know, potential as a duo and what are we going to start? Or you, you phrase it specifically as when are they going to make the leap? And, um, I think that's more so in regards to this season. Jason Kidd obviously had some – the Mavericks practice today. Jason Kidd had some quotes after the after practice in regards to, uh, you know, he, he doesn't think that they're going to have any problems in terms of who's going to take the last shot. And, you know, all the quotes between Luka and Kyrie over All-Star Weekend were very favorable to each other in terms of them playing with each other and the respect for – you know, the other person's talent, things of that nature. And even like offensively, I've already felt like, you know, maybe we haven't seen the exact sort of rep splittage that uh, we're, we're going to become accustomed to, but they, they've ran different off ball actions for each of them. They've used Luca as a screener a little bit now, given they haven't done any of this heavily, but you know, they, they've ran Kyrie off, you know, staggers and zoom actions uh, you know, with Luca as the lead ball handler, they've done a lot of different things so far. And, and I mean, they're they're only really tapping into the potential uh, of what they can, you know, do as a duo stylistically, and you know, in terms of the schematics that they can do on the court. Uh, but you know, also just like the trust in one another and that that comfortability that we always allude to. So, what do you think? You know, you pose the question, of course. So I'm gonna let you answer it, Jared. When do you, when are they gonna start to come into fruition as a duo? And uh, it, you know, make this whole thing a little more seamless because I wouldn't even say that it feels forced. I feel like it already feels pretty seamless, but you know, I obviously you can tell that you know they not necessarily have a ways to go, but there's obviously a little, um, you know, there's some comfortability and some sort of you know, the variety of some of the things that they have to do that they're going to have to kind of sort out in the near future. So, do you think that this is going to be a relatively quick transition, or you, you think that this could be something that carries over, um, potentially to the playoffs? Yeah, I, you know, I think that this has been a relatively quick transfer. Um, in my opinion, I think that this has, you know, already become a seamless fit in the NBA and just on, you know, between them two, of course. Uh, offensively, I think that there's really no question. Uh, we kind of seen uh, just, you know, especially in that Minnesota game, you know, the first half, the first three quarters, whatever, however you want to look at it, it was like sort of a cloudy view. Uh, and then that fourth quarter kind of seemed like fourth and third quarter, it kind of seemed like everything started clicking. Uh, so I think, you know, if you can build off those, it's, you know, a matter of time uh, and that it'll be a short time uh, before those two guys really start clicking together on the offensive end um, and even defensively for that matter. But I, I think in terms of just world class talent, like these guys don't really need to worry about gelling too much uh, because I feel like they already have. Uh, this is already a playoff team, in my opinion, because of those two guys alone. And I, I don't really think I mean, there's improving to be done upon, but of, of course, but I don't really view drastic change uh, happening, at, at least in my eyes. I think that they've already done the drastic change uh, and that happens so quickly uh, between, you know, Sacramento and Minnesota, pretty much. Um, you know, we're going to see, of course, headed in San Antonio. But uh, I, I think that that's sort of the, you know, I, I think that, you know, some people would push back on that. But I, I, I feel like, you know, offensively that these guys, these two guys are so talented offensively that there's really not much you need to worry about. Um, defensively, even, you know, as long as Kyrie's putting in effort and Luca's giving in or even just being a man on the court, 
uh, not just five on four, five on four scenarios. I think, you know, defensively, it kind of fills itself out. Um, I know we're going to get more into that later in the podcast, but you're talking uh, about like them specifically, not the them. Yeah. Them specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I, I just think, you know, offensively and even on the court, I think that this is a, a pairing uh, that, you know, still needs a little bit, but it's not going to take too long. That That's what I was basically trying to say. Yeah. I mean, Theo Pinson even talked about recently on his, his title league podcast. Like, you know, I know everybody obviously does the cliche, you know, he's a podcaster, not a basketball player. Um, all the, all of Mavs Twitter. And I mean, you know, it debatable, all I'm going to say. But nonetheless, though, um, he, he went on there and he talked about um, Kyrie's, you know, presence on the team, how he, you know, has brought this sort of new revitalization, you know, a sort of electric aura to the team. But, you know, in saying that, he talked about how, you know, selfless Kyrie is, and he's a guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball and you know he he sort of lets the game come to him and I mean even in the games with Luca you felt that you never felt like anything was forced and I mean that's the biggest thing I feel like everything else that the sort of minute offensive intricacies that may or not be may or may not be there yet they'll they'll work themselves out in terms of you know learning how to you know take the last shot stuff of that nature like these guys are too uber talented on that end to not figure it out Kyrie's figured it out with KD Kyrie's figured it out with LeBron so I don't really have my doubts there. Um, otherwise, I mean, off the court, like, you know, they're obviously already, you know, I think Kyrie's meeting up with, you know, lots of, you know, the fellow players' families and trying to get to know everybody. He's a great teammate. You know, we're not lobbying for him to be best friends with anybody here. You know, I'm sure he'll make friends. And I mean, I do think it's paramount that, you know, especially as a leader of a, ba- you know, one of the leaders of a basketball team, you know, one of the star players, you know, you obviously got to be acquainted and friends with everybody, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're all professionals, you know, and Kyrie has his own personal life. He doesn't necessarily have to be best friends with any of these guys, but, you know, to be acquainted and to at least be, um, you know, solid friends with them, like, yeah, like that's going to be needed. But um, all signs in his career pointed towards Kyrie being a good teammate. You know, there's some other golf court stuff that is, you know, definitely and, you know, 100% without a doubt debate, debatable. But in terms of being a good teammate, I, I don't necessarily have any bouts there. And I mean, Luca. He, he's, you know, he's from Slovenia. He's a really humble guy. He obviously is not the sort of guy that typically is going to, you know, come under fire for anything with his teammates. He's obviously always been a good guy off the court to, you know, everybody's really friendly, funny. He, he Really anybody can get along with him. And, you know, I, I just don't see really any problems persisting there um, unless you do. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's as big of a deal as anybody in the national media is making it out to be. But like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we kind of have to expect this with ESPN and all that stuff following Kyrie. All right, Jaron. So segueing into the next topic, it was recently announced actually just today that Maxi Kleber still might have a little while to go before his hamstring tear is fully recovered. We expected him to be back uh, against the Spurs, but of course, you know, he's been very steadfast in terms of his progression. So if he still needs a little bit, you know, a few more games or whatever, it's okay. I, I'd i rather not rush him personally and make sure that, you know, he's good to go for most of the rest of the regular season before the playoffs and things of that nature. But we don't exactly know the timetable. All we knew that today, uh, per Mass PR, that him and Davis Bertans are likely to be out in that game. But nonetheless, uh, he should be back very soon. With that being said, of course, though, 
once Maxi is back, heck, even when Davis is back, I mean, even though he's not really integral to the defense, of course, uh, quite the opposite. Um, but once the Mavericks essentially have their full complement of players, you know, Justin Holiday is incorporated into this team as well. You know, considering the that the rotation might get shortened, things of that nature, especially as we wind down towards the end of the regular season. What do you think is the ceiling for this Mavericks as a defensive team? And what things can they do to improve internally, whether that be uh, their rotations, uh, whether that be, you know, playing more zone? What sort of things do you think Jason Kidd could do to improve the team with the roster he's giving uh, given other than just getting better players? Yeah, I you know, I'm, I'm still going to be uh, hell-bent on this position that I still think that this is a middle-of-the-road defensive team. Uh, I know that stats this year have proven otherwise, but then again, that this team has been really injury riddled um and at times when they've had good defensive stretch uh stretches which i want to say like the last 12 games before the all-star break or 13 games something of that um they had a like top 15 defense uh for majority of that stretch um and i you know i believe that that is sort of the ceiling of this team i'm not saying you know that this team is going to be an absolute godsend on defense or anything like that but i i think that this team is a top 15 defense um, I'm not saying they're a top 10 or even a top 13 defense for that matter, if I'm getting too specific. Um, but I think that this is a team that, you know, is middle of the road uh, in terms of defensive stats. And I, I still believe that, you know, whenever Maxi comes back, it's only going to help those numbers. Um, but now looking, you know, at sort of what Jason Key can do with the rotation, you know, we picked up Justin Holiday, who's a defensive wing, of course. Uh, Maxi Kleba coming back from injury and, you know, the defensive God himself, Davis Bertans coming back from injury. Uh, you know, there's, there's a number, there's a number of guys that you can start to move around um, the roster and, you know, sort of play rotational minutes here and there. Um, I, I think I would like to see Markeith Morris. Uh, I would like to see, of course, AJ Lawson. I know, Will, you've been hell-bent on that, especially before the all-star break, you were really hell-bent on those two players. Um, me personally, I think, you know, with the addition of Justin Holiday and, you know, how much of a defensive stud that guy's been uh, throughout his career, I'd like to really see him uh, become an intricate part. I'm not saying that he will be, um, but this team, I think, is at a solid eight-man rotation. If you look at a playoff rotation, uh, I think you need a nine-man rotation to really be considered deep whenever you get to the playoffs, and we're just not there yet. So who can reach out? Who can become that ninth man, sort of? Um, and that's, you know, I think that's between – if you want to throw Hardy in there, you can throw him in there. But for me, the three guys that, you know, really stick out um, personally, I, I guess I'd have to throw Hardy in there, but it'd probably be Wiggins, Hardy, and, you know, Markeith Morris. But uh, again, we haven't Wiggins? seen Markeith Morris. What? You said Wiggins. Or not Wiggins. Um, Holiday. I don't know why I said Wiggins. <laughs> I don't know why I said Wiggins. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know why I said that. But uh, no, I think that those are sort of the three names that kind of stick out. Uh, if you're looking for more defense, of course, you know, Justin Holiday, uh, you know, Markeith Morris, you can make an argument for. But um, there's definitely tail end improvements on this rotation that you can make, um, whether it's defensively, offensively, however you want to look at this roster. But uh, bottom line is, and I'll stay stay true to this point, that I, I do believe that this team is somewhere in the range of 18 to like 13 uh, whenever it comes to the defense. Uh, when it's all said and done, I think that this is for sure a team that can be that and can excel that. Yeah, uh, no, I think you made a lot of great points there. In regards to, like, Justin Holiday being, like, a defensive stud, I think that he definitely got that label denoted to him 
a couple of years ago as he, you know, was this sort of in his prime three and D wing, but it, you know, it'd be negligible of us to discount the fact that he's had a pretty rough season this year and it's fell off on both sides of the ball. So let's just see what we can get from him first. You know, I, I would advise most people t- before we jump off any bridge in terms of being on Justin holiday Island or anything like that. And I mean, the same with Markeith Morris, you know, I obviously was hell bent on him getting playing time and seeing what he could do. Not, you know, I wouldn't say I was as much hell bent on his defensive versatility. I had, I, you have to realize, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy that obviously took the all-star break to sort of get back into shape. You know, as so long as he's back into shape, you know, cause he wasn't playing too much with Brooklyn, then, you know, I'm pretty confident in his abilities to go out there and be, you know, a capable role player and, you know, fill in the gaps. But at the end of the day, this has never been a guy who's been some sort of story defensive player. You know, sure, he can guard against bigger threes and fours, of course, but he, he simply doesn't have the foot speed to be that sort of all-inclusive, you know, versatile you know, defensive wing, kind of like a, in a sense, that Holiday was a couple years ago. And it, it the Mavericks don't have that sort of splashy defensive player. You know, they don't have any guys like an OG and an OB that's going to go out there and guard like one through five. We're just looking at guard guys that can either, you know, guard, you know, one through three or three through five. And, and that's kind of what we're eyeballing here with some of these guys. And, you know, just how, how much can they marginally improve the team at the end? I, I think the sort of, you know, if we're, if we're posing the question, how much does the defensive ceiling um, have impl- implications in terms of how far the Mavericks can go. If we're looking at it from that angle, I really think that it's going to be, you know, codependent on one of those role players exceeding beyond their means, exceeding beyond what we project them to do. And, you know, you bring up some good guys there in terms of Markeith Morris, um, Justin Holiday, you know, of course, AJ Lawson, you know, those three guys. It's like, you know, say Markeith Morris is able to, you know, really rekindle his mid-range game and be this sort of stout um, enforcer, if you will, who can uh, guard a little bit better than we expected and that, you know, has a little bit, you know, more of the foot speed that we saw from him about five, six years ago versus now. I mean, yeah, then you're, that that's encouraging. That's like another cog in this rotation. Say Justin Holiday rekindles himself from about a year or two ago. Um, say AJ Lawson blossoms into this sort of two-way player and, you know, he, he increasingly becomes more comfortable guarding, you know, threes and fours positionally as he gets matched up and has to, you know, take, take the brunt force and strength of some of these guys. And, you know, cause he, body wise, he looks ready. It's just, he kind of does have a tendency to kind of get shoved at times. So, it, you know, it's really just going to take one of those guys three hitting uh, to, for the Mavericks to, really see any marginal defensive improvement. And when I say marginal, you know, I, I preface with that being very, very marginal, like from middle of the pack to, you know, in that 10 to 15 range, right? I, I don't think there's any sort of world where this team, unless, you know, they add somebody else in the buyout market, which we can touch on at the little of the podcast, at the tail end of the podcast, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a ton of guys that they could add, barring maybe a few wings they could take some flyers on. Now I'd encourage them to do that, but, you know, I, I just don't really see a pathway, you know, without them getting maybe another splashy defensive wing or a, you know, tried and true rear protector that's really going to shore up the front without sacrificing, uh, you know, that offensive versatility on the other end. I, I, don't, I just don't see that team taking that ascension to being, you know, a top 10 on both sides of the ball. Now, could the offense supplement, uh, 
for the defense and the, or the lack thereof of defense for for that matter. It, it very well could. I mean, who knows how far you know Luca and Kyrie can take you? They could take you leaps and bounds. But you know, we've covered that question at nauseum and. It's just a really big wait and see process, you know. I, I think this Mavericks team can get the middle of the pack defensively as currently stands, uh, barring some unforeseen marginal improvements of, for some of these role players. Now, I, I'm really excited to see how these role players fare, you know, schematically. Um, you know, D- Justin Holiday's obviously been much more of a storied uh, rotator. He is not a guy that gets caught up. Um, in a ton of actions, he's going to stay tried and true to his man, which can definitely be appreciated when we have individuals named Tim Hardaway Jr. And I, for the Tim Hardaway Jr. stands out there, because I know all the off-on numbers and all the lineup data says that he should be starting. I, I've seen all the stats on Twitter. Uh, and that Tim is also, you know, I think he is, even has like a good defensive rating this year. I, I hear your your argument and everything. And I do agree that Tim has – gave more effort and improved marginally on ball this year. He has not looked absolutely horrendous on ball. You know, he still has a tendency to get beat more often than not, in my opinion, but I guess the stats would say otherwise, but you cannot deny that Tim is a very lackluster off ball defender. I will not hear that argument from anybody. I see this man in person too many times get <laughs> caught up on two, three screens and just get caught wandering. And, you know, fans will come at me saying it's not the same guy, but let's just not discount the fact that one time in transition, when he played for the Knicks, he called a referee safe and let a guy shoot a three in the corner. Okay. I don't, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. Save what you will. He may have improved on ball as a defender, but he's still, you know, not, he, I'm still not calling him a plus defender. I just cannot manage my myself to be there with you guys yet, but I'm not negating that he, there is some credence to the fact that his inclusion in the starting lineup actually might more, might be more valuable. And that's something I want to get into probably next podcast under the post game because, you know, his absence was sort of sorely missed over the, that, uh, that Denver game and uh, just his shooting and his ability to plug and play there is huge. So, you know, seeing how that situation evolves going forward, you know, I do think if the Mavericks ever let go of him, I, I think his shooting has proved valuable enough, especially over these last couple of games. I mean, maybe I'm just sort of taking a microcosm of, you know, a small sample size or whatever, but, his shooting every time he's out does prove pretty invaluable to the standpoint that if you do ever part ways with Tim, you probably want to upgrade upon his spot rather than just leave that position filled. You know, in, in that sense, I would mean maybe going after a Gary Trent Jr., a guy who can play a little more defense, but also give you the things Tim needs. But that's something to kind of look ahead to in the offseason. I didn't mean to veer too far off track there. But, you know, just regarding this Mavericks defense, I think they can improve marginally, get to that middle of the pack area, as you said, Jaron. But I just don't see them making any leaps and bounds this year until they do find that rim protector or they do, you know, get a guy with the ability to guard one through five. But I, I do think it'll be really interesting to see how Maxi and Christian Wood fare together in those defensive lineups, you know, especially since we obviously know Christian Wood's a little more renowned from his ability to guard wings and guards and things of that nature. So not playing him as that defensive, that you know, that five, um, where he's having to be that, you know, sort of, um, you know, rim protector, things of that nature, and have everything, you know, segue to him. That can alleviate some stress, and we've seen those lineups be successful. So I'm intrigued to see how that evolves going forward. It could be the saving grace for Christian Wood's tenure on the Mavericks if he somehow comes back over the offseason. So what do you think of uh, Maxi coming back and Christian Wood's reliance upon him and how those lineups worked before – uh, both of them kind of subsequently went out with injuries. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, Maxi coming back, we've seen uh, at least in these last few games before the All-Star break, you know, Christian Wood's role uh, was kind of either sorely missed or it just kind of seemed like the Mavericks just brushed it off. Um, and I think, you know, with Ma- with Maxi's addition to this roster again, uh, it's going to bring a more elevated role to Christian Wood, uh, as we did see early on in the season where, you know, likely whenever Christian Wood was on the floor, Maxi would be on the floor with him as well. Um, I think we'll see more lineups like that uh, where they're exploiting the Wood and Maxi sort of mismatches on offense and defense combined. Um, and I think, you know, that's sort of a plug and play lineup that you can run with pretty much every unit um, on this roster. I, you know, starting unit, bench unit, however you want to look at it, those are guys that you can kind of play, like I said, wherever you want to, wherever you want to plug and play them, you can, you can do that. Um, I, I think, you know, with Christian Wood, like I said earlier, like his, his sort of role kind of was deplenished coming back from injury. Um, so I think, you know, from here on out, once, of course, Maxi gets healthy, I think I would probably give it the next five games for sure uh, before he's back on the court. I think once he's healthy, I think we could see a really elevated Maxi or really elevated Christian Wood role. Um, of course, you know, we're going to have to rely on Maxi to, again, take the bulk of the rim protecting here. But you know, nonetheless, whenever you don't pick up a rim protector, I, I mean, I don't want to get get too far into this, but because we can go for a long time. But uh, whenever you don't pick up a rim protector, uh, you have to rely on a guy who has been injury depleted uh, throughout his career. But I, I think, you know, Christian Wood's role will definitely increase uh, once Maxi's addition is, you know, really felt uh, in this lineup. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that evolving, but I could also see Christian Wood just completely sort of fizzling out if he really just becomes out of um, <clears throat> out of favor with Jason Kidd. So we're just going to have to see how everything goes there because it's obviously a really shaky situation right now. The defense from Christian Wood has been, you know, fairly atrocious over this this last stretch. But, you know, let's see if, if he recovered a little bit from the All-Star break. Let's see, you know, what he's paired next to a, a defensive five. You know, I'd push back on saying – Maxi's necessarily the tried and true rim protector the Mavericks need, and they're probably going to play him above his means, unless you know, unfortunately, unless JaVale keeps providing what he was doing in that little stretch versus the Kings. So, you know, JaVale, I think, is another guy that could elevate the defense. That's a sort of um, underlying aspect that we didn't really even touch on, but him, you know, you know, obviously, Jason Kidd said that he there was a sort of spark invigorated into him once Kyrie joined the team, but if he could be 75% of the player he was with the Suns, I mean, that would be huge for this team if he could just play 20 minutes and be a capable rim protector in there. But we'll have to see how that situation because uh, sort of ends up uh, uh, turning out because I, I don't really put too much stock into that given just how the rest of the season's gone with him so far. So we're just going to have to see how everything goes there. Uh, it almost seems as if he this was just his, his year that he blew the tires – right off of the uh, the canister. So we're, we're just going to have to see how everything sort of happens with that because he obviously does not have, has not had the most storied year to say the least. And it almost seems as if, you know, this is, this could be it for him, but we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how that situation sorts itself out. Um, nonetheless, Jared, uh, what else do you have in regards to the defense or any specific players maybe that, you know, you'd like to talk about? Um, Not really that I would like to talk about. I think I kind of want to pose you this question. I know we've, again, touched on him a little bit. 
Um, but I guess, you know, we haven't really had a whole lot of segments on this guy. Justin Holiday, uh, you know, again, his addition before the All-Star break, we saw him suit up one game, I think it was, but we haven't seen him play. Um, to my knowledge today uh, that he there was like some paperwork that he had to sort out and by the time that he he was doing it in pregame warm-ups he didn't like get a chance to warm up enough and that was the reason Jason Kidd didn't play after initially promising to play him in the Denver game okay that's a classic you know Jason Kidd excuse so we'll, we'll rely. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways I wanted to pose you the question just uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on it you know what what do you think he brings to the table um as a player of course and you know defensively and offensively like what what do you think he brings to this team that we just don't have right now yeah so I mean obviously like I had alluded to it's all it's all going to be dependent on how much of you know we can get from the two to three years ago Justin Holiday versus this sort of last season and a half stretch of Justin Holiday but you know I obviously talked about how he's a really good rotational defender he's really good at sorting through screens and uh, getting to man's a lot of his blocks um if you look at some of his highlights are actually coming off rotating and being able to close out on a shooter so that that's something that i think that he could bring to the table just sort of a reliance there even if he doesn't necessarily have that uh, as much foot speed as he did a few years ago uh barring that you know he's a capable on ball defender he was definitely better a few years ago we're just gonna have to see if you know in a more reduced role because he was actually asked to do quite a bit with the Hawks this year at the beginning of the season. You know, I, I think he started a little bit for them even, you know, obviously being one of those first defensive wings off the bench, um, backing up DeAndre Hunter. <clears throat> so we're just going to have to see how the situation ends up playing itself out for him because this is a guy that, you know, you could easily see maybe another year or two of capable basketball left in the tank for him. He is 33, which is a sort of underlying aspect that, you know, I think kind of gets swept under the rug with him because everybody probably thinks, oh, he's the younger brother of Drew, but he's actually the older brother of Drew. So there's that too. Um, you know, he he's about as um, true to the name as 3 and D gets in terms of he's not going to do anything really outside the box uh, besides, you know, spot up. He, he He's definitely more of a spot up shooter than a movement shooter, but he can come off a screen if he needs to. Um, he, he's capable uh, of attacking off a closeout if he doesn't, if he needs to, but, you know, he's definitely more along the lines of that, that one dimensional elk that we, we sort of alluded to, but, you know, <clears throat> you, you want him, you know, especially with Josh Green's emergence, you just want this guy to come in short with the rotation at the end of the bench and, you know, just like really, you know, stay true to that hallmark and being a three and D guy, because that's what we're looking for. But if, if the defense and the three-point shooting, as it has this year, uh, continues to taper off and he can't thrive in a, in a lesser role, you know, in that ninth or tenth man spot, this could be a guy that's out of the rotation come playoff time. That's a sad reality, but when they get to kind of face with guys on the buyout market, there's typically a reason that they're there. But the upside is that he ends up being a contributory role player that really shores up the wing depth on this team and you know, alleviate some of that pressure and, you know, maybe elevates them from, you know, you know, I obviously know this is not a huge difference, but come playoff time, you know, being the 13th best defense can mean a lot more than the 15th best defense. So yep. things like yep. that, that, that is, that's kind of what I expect for him to bring to the table. And I, I feel like we've already kind of talked about Markeith Morris in some previous pods too, because as a guy I kind of wanted to touch on, but I do realize that, you know, he was more, you know, 
pre all-star break and all that sort of stuff as you know compared to some of these other guys so you know we obviously talked about him you can go listen to some of our other pods for our thoughts on him and you know we've obviously talked about what he could potentially bring defensively but we'll just have to see how this situation dissipates and sorts itself out but uh, other than that you know that's kind of how I think we're gonna what we're gonna be seeing from Justin Holiday in Dallas yeah no I mean I would completely agree with pretty much everything you said um, one thing that I would like to pose to you, uh, this is sort of like a judgment question. Um, I know, again, we've alluded to this earlier in the podcast, but who, like specifically, who do you think will edge out that ninth man spot, uh, come what is, what is the playoff? What is, I don't know when the first playoff game is, but uh, I think it's in the middle of April. Um, who do you think will pretty much be on that nine man rotation right there? Or at least the last spot of that nine man rotation. Yeah, I was actually thinking about posing this very question to you, though. So that's funny that you bring <laughs> okay. it up. Between Justin Holiday, Frank, Jaden Hardy, Theo Penson, Davis Bertans, Markeith Morris, and AJ Lawson. Dojo, I, know, I have some weird gut feeling that Mark, I feel like Markeith Morris between between Justin Holiday and him is the guy who has like the sort of pseudo resurgence. So I'm gonna go with really? him, but that's based on nothing more than feeling. So uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a total field pick here. It's either Frank, or I'm. A, I'm gonna throw a home run out here. I'm gonna throw AJ Lawson in there. So I would hope that's AJ Lawson. He has the most upside out of out of everybody out of that group. But knowing Jason Kidd, it could easily be Frank. Before we end the podcast, I do just want to get into some of the buyout names I listed. The remaining free agents sort of still available on the Twitter today. But we also have to recognize that some of these guys, some guys have not been bought out formally, like potentially Nerlens can be bought out and some other guys. So we'll kind of have to see how this situation plays itself out as we approach that March March 1st deadline for buyouts. But I just want to name, name to you some guys. You don't have to say anything. But like I said at the beginning of the podcast, when I talked about some of these guys, these are more just flyers more so than anything. Uh, a couple of these, you know, obviously the Lamarcus Aldridge tie in with the whole, you know, Mass potentially working himself out. That would be more of a Kyrie appeasement move more than anything, in my opinion. But, you know, the Mavericks are not finding their trying to rim protector on the buyout market uh, unless Nerlens comes. But even then, you know, that's just more of that backup, you know, big rim protection assurance than it is, you know, an actual, uh, you know, just just a stopgap measure, essentially. But, you know, so you guys can debate if that's worth it or not. That's Or if you'd rather have a guard or a wing. I'm not here to play. To play favorites here, I'm, I'm just bringing you guys the facts. But nonetheless, here are the current free agents available at the moment. I do realize there could be more on the market as we approach that March 1st deadline. But this is kind of just to show how scarce it is out there. But there are some intriguing young guys that you'd be probably be surprised if not on the team right now. So nonetheless, I'll get in here. So guards, we have Jared Butler, Dwayne Washington Jr., John Wall, and Bryn Forbes. And there's some guys I'm leaving out here because I – couldn't put everybody in the tweet, but like Mark, Michael Carter Williams, for instance, is another one that's available. Wings, I got Leandro Balmaro, Jarrett Culver, PJ Dozier, David Nwaba, Jeremy Lamb, Quindary Weatherspoon, Jemias Ramsey, Greg Brown the third, Stanley Johnson, Justin Champetti, DeAndre Bembry, DJ Wilson. Bigs, I got Lamarcus Aldridge, Derek Favors, Serge Ibaka, Marquise Chris, and Noah Vonley. Out of any of those guys, Jared, uh, not even specific to any position, do any of those guys pique your interest for the Mavs? Uh, I think the most, uh, probably Stanley Johnson, I would say. Just because, I mean, I know it's not an insane volume or insane uh, sort of 
sample size, but just because of what he's done this season, I feel like he's played pretty good for San Antonio. Um, and I mean, who knows? I, I don't think it hurts to add wing depth, especially for a guy who's, you know, had some upside and at least this season. Yeah. If I'm doing any of these, like I, I've definitely been the youth trade since the beginning with, uh, if we're, if they were to add another bout, I don't know if the Mavericks are necessarily in that position, but you know, the, there is credence to the fact they can even easily just wave Frank and do this. So, I mean, March 1st, you know, it's in eight days. They, they, or I guess five days rather, because February, no, but nonetheless, like February. <laughs> yeah, they, they still got some time if they want to do some something right. So, you know, we're going to probably see a couple more buyouts and things and some more moving parts around the league. A couple guys that piqued my interest, probably PJ Dozier. He's a sort of wing with, you know, he's a wing who at one point had a little like point forward stint. You know, he has some sort of weird untapped potential that I'd be interesting, you know, interested to dive into, but he is like 26. So, you just don't know how much more of a shelf life he has. DJ Wilson, I mean, he was like a solid 3D wing who also had this, you know, sort of post game as, as well as a sort of pseudo creation ability. So that's interesting. The, none of the bigs really piqued my interest, maybe outside of a Baca to shore at the defensive front. And obviously Nerlens if he gets bit, bought out, but he hasn't. Jared Butler and Dwayne Washington Jr., if you want to just take a flyer on a guard, those are, you know, specifically Jared Butler is a bigger guard. Played in that Baylor, you know, crazy defensive system. He, he's a guy that, you know, could provide some defense in the backcourt. So, I don't know. Those are a few guys that piqued my interest. But, obviously, none of these guys moving the needle. But, I don't know. Do you think it's worthwhile? In your opinion, Jared, do you think it's worthwhile to take a flyer on a guy? Do you you know, if, if you're Nico Harrison sitting there right now, would you weigh Frank Nilakina and just test the waters out there and see what you could get? you think Frank – or do you think Frank's proven enough? I think, you know, it kind of just depends on how you look at this. I, I guess at the finishing roster, you know, you know what you get out of Frank. Uh, I mean, again, me personally, I think I'm going to stick with Frank in this scenario just because of what he did last year. I know it's not the same Frank Nilakina, but uh, I guess just his defensive prowess and, you know, this team's in dire need of defense. So I think that's why I'd kind of stick with him. Um, you know, definitely if you're trying to go the more offensive route, a guy that kind of sticks to my mind is Dwayne Washington. Uh, he had a few like 25 plus point games in Phoenix, you know, granted the whole starting five was out, but even still, I think that's impressive in itself. Um, and again, I think if you want to go more of the flyer, but uh, maybe not safer, uh, but you know, defensive minded guy, Stanley Johnson, uh, that's a guy that reaches out to me. Yeah. Um, you know, three and D kind of guy who's again, you know, not a, a big sample size, but he shot, he's, he has shot a good clip. Uh, from the three for San Antonio this year. So I, I think that those are probably the guys that stick out to me the most. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, me personally, like I said, I, I think I'd stick with Frank out of every one of those. Uh, maybe if you're going to reach, I'd go Stanley Johnson out of any of those guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's some guys that pique my interest for sure, especially like PJ Dozier and, and Johnson, just to see if they could bring anything else to the table. And I don't know. Frank's just got to be such a black hole in offense that I would consider it, but I, I'm not. In doing so, you know, it's more so just because of Frank's offensive regression this season, him just being kind of a complete ne negative versus last year kind of providing something. I, I just don't think it would be too much of a loss, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the organization probably values him a little more than I did for what he did in that, that Phoenix series. And, you know, he just hasn't shown that sort of – there's been spurts where we've seen, you know, a really good defender, but, you know, more often than not, he's just kind of been average to above average. So, I, you know, I think I'd pull the trigger and – you know, maybe try and vouch for one of those wings, but I'm not obviously in a position of power there, but that's just my opinion on the matter. So, 
Uh, nonetheless, with that being said, we will catch you guys tomorrow after the Spurs game. The Mavs are finally back. Mavs basketball is back. 7.30 tomorrow tonight. Or <laughs> tomorrow tonight. Uh, 7.30 tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Mavericks versus Spurs. Jaron, is it in San Antonio or is it in Dallas? Because I couldn't tell you. It is in Dallas, I believe. It is in Dallas. Yeah, no, Dallas, because they're on like a six-game homestand. That's right. Jaron's always got us on the next game, guys. At the plug, at Jaron Boslow on Twitter. For any of you guys trying to get out. Jaron Mavericks. No, Jaron Mavericks. My bad. At Jaron Mavericks. Um, But nonetheless, (laughs) for those of you guys listening on YouTube, obviously, shout out to the YouTube gang. Like and comment and subscribe, of course. And if you're on YouTube, Subscribe. What is your favorite energy drink? Are, are you more of a the Starbucks double shot guy? Are you a Celsius guy? Are you rocking with Bangs? Um, you know, are you are you a Rain Energy guy, C8, or are you more into pre workout or something like that? What is your favorite energy drink, or is it five hour energy? <laughs> Comment <laughs> down below. I, I had this Prime sitting on my desk. It's a hydration drink, but it sparked my interest for that question today. Otherwise, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure to give us a follow and give us a five-star rating. And, you know, if anything that you want to say in those ratings goes, whether it's you love Jaren's beard or you love my beautiful, luscious blonde hair, all of it, all that flows, we enjoy all of it. But it, Or if you want to leave a one-star rating, you're inclined to do so too. We appreciate all feedback. We're, we're trying to get constructively better here over at Mainstream Mavs. Otherwise, make sure to follow the Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. We're, you know, obviously took a little bit of a detox from Mavs Twitter over the weekend, but we're back in the full swing of things as we get closer here. We get through this post-All-Star break stretch of the season. Luca and Kyrie, let's run it. We will catch you guys tomorrow after Spurs. Bye-bye, fellas.